Hey there, welcome to your basket is empty, a space where I sit down with interesting people in e-common tech to unpack their journeys and what they've learned along the way. I'm your host, Tim. So this is series one of 2021. And on this episode, I chat with Kia Whitaker, a digital pioneer, co-founder of Default, a Shopify app company, and a freelance marketing and business consultant for Shopify Partners. We touch on 20 plus years of digital experience, reimagining events in a post-COVID world, states of flow, T-shaped skill sets, and nerding out on Bowie. Before we get into it, quick word from my sponsor. This podcast is brought to you by Clavio, Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. Whether you're launching your e-commerce business or taking your brand to the next level, Clavio gives you the tools to get growing faster. That's why it's trusted by over 30,000 e-commerce brands. Build your contact list, send emails that pop, and create marketing moments that build valuable customer relationships over any distance. Get started for free today. Visit clavio.com slash your basket is empty to create your free account. That's K-L-A-V-I-Y-O dot com slash your basket is empty. Enjoy the episode. Kia, welcome to the podcast. How are you and where are you? How am I? Uh, not doing too badly, thank you. Uh, in lockdown number three here in uh, uh, the city I live in, Bath in the UK. Um, not seen much of it in the last year. Seen most of, most of my house and the... Uh, the paths in the neighborhood but uh, yeah not doing too bad how are you yeah 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 good I, I, similar i i um i know every nook and cranny of the of the park that is about five minutes from us and uh i think i've um i've navigated it every way that you can um <laughs> so yeah uh, i i feel like a in in some ways a bit of a, a an explorer <laughs> I've, I've made the map of of, of st james park in in, in walthamstow but look um I uh, suggest anyone listening to this go on to kiawitaker.com slash about and do a bit of a deep dive on your journey. But for the purposes of this podcast, I'd love for you to talk through it in just a little bit more detail. Um, You don't need to go into huge amounts, but just give me a bit of a flavor of what you've been up to so far. Uh, Where should we start? I mean, um, professionally, I guess, um, been working in and around sort of the tech sector, for want of a better word. Uh, for about 20 years, I think um, I kind of got into computers as as one did sort of in the in the sort of mid to late 80s. I remember um, my mom, who uh, still is a teacher, um, had a colleague whose partner um, worked um, for a sort of IT, as it was known back in the day, IT company, and had, uh, we went around, um, they just had a baby, went around, he had this, this thing called a Macintosh in the corner of the room, and I was just like kind of spellbound by this weird shaped computer with a built-in screen and keyboard and mouse and sort of got captivated by that. Um, and I think, you know, I'd watch War Games. I don't know if you remember that film back in sort of 83, 84. A very young Matthew Broderick um, playing nuclear tic-tac-toe to, to save the world. And I think I'd always been interested in the sort of the technology side of things. Um, and seeing that Mac just sort of captivated me. And, you know, other things came and went, but I've always had this undercurrent of interest in technology. And I remember um skip skip forward a sort of decade or, or maybe more um at university where we had you know email and uh, the internet and um things known as the browser wars back in the day you know netscape was king and, and uh, internet explorer was just a, a sort of mere dot on the horizon um and i just started thinking this is this is really interesting and you know how, how do you do this and um ended up uh, building my first website um for a friend of mine who's an artist a guy called glenn badham uh, I think we got uh, sort of five megabytes of hosting free on a on a CD-ROM on the cover of a magazine, and uh, 
you know, internet dial-up. And, and, and from there, I sort of just got a little bit more into um, sort of how, how do you do this stuff? How do you, how do you build a website? How do you uh, get into sort of, you know, populating a database that can then talk to the website and all of this kind of stuff? And um, that really sort of spurred me on to, I guess, what has been the last sort of 20 years professionally working in or around technology, mostly um, in, in the web space. And uh, that's involved everything from working sort of with data-driven websites. Um, I did a lot of work at the NHS, um, sort of building intranets, as they were called back in the day, and um, installing networks and email servers and all of that kind of stuff, um, to sort of doing agency work, working for agencies, running my own small agency, working with others. And then, obviously, for the last decade, in and around e-commerce, which is where our, our paths crossed, I guess. Um, I think um, we make websites. Um, Alex and Piers, one of the first people I met, uh, in the UK who were doing Shopify. And um, yeah, I ended up at Shopify for, I think about seven years um, and then moved on a couple of years ago. So yeah, a, po a potted history, but in and around sort of web tech, uh, web design uh, or whatever it's called this week and uh, sort of e-commerce. So uh, that was a very good synopsis. I'm, <laughs> you took the plunge uh, into consulting uh, a couple of years ago um, mm. and... I'm keen to sort of understand what 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 drew you towards that 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 um, area, um, and how has your experience been thus far? I think one of the main reasons was I'd worked um, at Shopify for for seven years um, during sort of you know hyper growth period. I, I think I was one of the first um, yeah if first hundred employees, and certainly one of the first people in the UK. Um, and you know it was, it, it was a lot. It was a lot. Uh, it was a lot. Of, going around a lot of work, um, already enjoyable and learned huge amounts. But I think um, it's not that I was burnt out. I wouldn't, I wouldn't describe it as that at all. But I think, you know, as the company grew bigger and bigger, the sort of scrappy toolkit of skills that I think I brought to the, to the table, I was principally involved in the partner program. Um, so how, do, how does Shopify as a company entice designers, developers, agencies to adopt Shopify as a platform that they can then offer to, to their customers? Um, and, you know, we did a lot of educational stuff, a lot of events, a lot of content. And I think I just wanted, um, you know, a change. And the thought of, I guess, uh, having another job of that ilk um, with that kind of uh, frenetic nature um, wasn't something I wanted. I, I fancy sort of <laughs> slowing down a little. Um, <laughs> I guess we, we slowed down a lot more last year, but um, <laughs> I just didn't want go full into into another job per se I think I just wanted to sort of breathe a little and uh, had the privilege to to be able to do that and um, during you know one of the things that a lot of people don't do is they don't tell people that they're moving on until they move on and I sort of told a few trusted people thinking well you know let's see what's out there is, is there any need for uh, any you know people that I know in the e-commerce space is there any need for the skills that I have would, would they be interested in working together so I put a few feelers out I guess about two or three months maybe a bit more before um, I did sort of hand in my um, notice and yeah, started working pretty much off the bat. So ended up not giving myself that break or, or room to breathe. And, um, but I certainly gave myself permission in that first year. This was at the end of 2018 I left. So 2019 um, to try various things, you know, the consultancy I think has one of those, I don't know what people think of consultants. I'm not sure quite where they sit in the spectrum of respected roles or not. Um, but you obviously you you have the privilege of working with a lot of different people, but you, you you go in and you do some work and then maybe you don't work with them again. And I think, you know, I like that variety. So I was quite keen to embrace that and, and have lots of different things going on. But I guess the challenge was working out what people wanted and, you know, how do you 
anticipated that, you know, maybe working with an app company on their marketing, because I still wanted to stay in the ecosystem of Shopify and e-commerce. You know, if you're lending those marketing skills to an app company, is, is that what they want? Or, you know, if you've got an agency over here, do you really have the skills to help them develop that agency? You know, I've, I've worked with agencies. I've run a small one and I, by proxy, met hundreds of very inspiring agency owners. But does, does is that a skill that people want? And so 2019 was very much a case of, you know, throwing stuff out there and seeing what people wanted. And it mostly evolved around um, sort of marketing, um, product positioning with apps and agencies. And um, something that came out of it was this kind of idea of coaching, which is, is a, I guess, a term I've always felt a little bit uncomfortable. It's, it's a bit like gravitas. It's sort of, I think it's something that someone else attaches to you, not necessarily some, something that you say you have yourself. Um, and, um, but started working with a few agency founders and, you know, we'd meet every week. And we we go through stuff and we share experiences. And I think having the background that I've got, you know, 20 years in and around the business, um, 10 years in e-commerce, but also kind of some wins, some things that didn't go well. And and then sort of in the Venn diagram of sort of Shopify in the middle um, lends itself to working with these people. And it's, it's been really eye-opening. And, and hopefully, you know, the people who still pay me <laughs> every month to do that um, are getting a lot of benefit from it. So it's... Um, yeah, I, I didn't, I had a plan, but it wasn't necessarily a well-formed plan. Um, and, uh, you know, there's still other things on the periphery. So, for example, in 2019, we ran an event uh, in Canada post-Unite, which is the Shopify sort of partner conference where we kind of got a load of people together and discussed all the big announcements. We called that debrief. And so, you know, there's, there's been lots of little little things in and around as well, but principally, um Today, I mostly work with uh, app companies in the Shopify space or looking to get in there and um, agency founders. And it's, uh, yeah, no no uh, two weeks are the same, to be honest. That's cool. Yeah, I think that there is a challenge around even the term consultant or consultancy, right? I think you can get drawn into um, areas or you know preconceptions that may not necessarily hold true. But I think that's an interesting um, trajectory to sort of like put something out there kind of see what sticks and then kind of f- follow it um you, you touched there though um the live event the debrief event that you did um mm. i was keen just to explore that in, in a little bit more detail and and not to dwell on last year but the the you know like the the concept of an event now is 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 slightly different <laughs> yes. what are your thoughts on it like i'd be keen to understand i know there was some indication i think you were talking about debrief 2021 and what might, that might look like so what 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 does an event or live event look like to you kind of in 2021 and beyond um yeah, they, they feel otherworldly at this point in time, don't they? I, I I saw something on the news last night where I think the Flaming Lips had put on a, a concert where they were in these like biosphere bubbles and the audience was, and I just couldn't think of anything worse. <laughs> <laughs> it's like great music, but like I don't really want to get sweaty in a, in a ball with, you know, um, with with my wife or whatever. Yeah. Um, that sounds awful. Um, but um I think I think they. I mean, you know, I, I try and be optimistic about these things. I think they will come back. I think they're an essential part of um, you know what we do, and I think a lot of the relationships that you and I, I'm sure, have, have you know um, developed uh, business-wise have, have all come through live events. As much as we like to think that the internet is a great meeting place, I do think that most of the deeper um, and I guess profitable in, in, in both sense of the words uh, relationships come from from events. Um, I've also got been in and around events for a long time and have friends who. Um, who run them and it's it's worrying I think it's um 
I think, you know, as a business, if events was one of your sort of key marketing um, touch points with potential clients and existing clients, it's, it's a worry. But I've been, honestly, I've been amazed at the ingenuity of how people have put on online events. Um, and I think I'm intrigued to see whether, as we progress through this year, whether people will be willing to pay the same amount in terms of the sort of ticket price, for want of a better word, for an online event as they would in an in-person event. Um, obviously, in the real terms, it's cheaper because you don't have to be there. You don't have to mm. take time out of the office. But I also wonder whether you truly get that engagement. You know, if you are stepping out of the office, going to an event, um, you know, you've got a million distractions when you're watching a Zoom call, right? Um, you know, notifications, kids walking in, uh, the cat needs feeding, whatever. You can you can literally go and do all of those things and nobody knows. But it's a lot harder to walk out of a, an arena where someone, you know, on a stage and, and uh, it's quite captivating. So I I don't know. I, I like to think that we'll, we'll get there, but my heart of hearts, I think it will be 2022 before many people will be willing to sort of get back into a sort of space of a, you know, few hundred people. What do you think? Yeah, it, it, I think, you know, we were discussing it just before the, the, certainly at this point in time, late January, 2021, the horizon of, um, any sense of normalcy just seems unfathomable. It, you know what I mean? It's so hard to, to sort of see it. Um, I think we get these glimpses and, 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 and I, and I do feel that we need to probably brace ourselves for another year of real strange disruption and, 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 you know, going back to any sort of quote unquote normal life before. Yeah. I think it's a 2022 thing to be honest, you know, and, and just to set expectations, I think it, it kind of, it helps. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's interesting, right? Like I think you make some really um, astute observations in that. How do you keep the attention span um, virtually when you're in a room? It, it's a very different environment. Also, I find, and I suppose this goes to, it's not just events, it's it's the interaction of humans, right? And particularly new ones. So if that's an interview with somebody, is that a networking thing? So interacting with someone for the first time, there's something, the essence of someone you cannot get virtually. You know what I mean? You just oh, can't, you can't get that, you know? And um, I think that that is something that, that, uh, that, that, that we, I, I think we crave, but also, you know, it, it is, that's how you really build that true connection with somebody. Do you know what I mean? So the, the, the absence of the essence through the virtual medium, like, can you build really meaningful connections virtually? I certainly feel I found I've met loads of people virtually over the last year and not to say that I haven't built a strong relationship with them. I feel a fallback familiarity is the people I'd already met previously and we're catching up again, you know, kind of similar to yourself. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? So how do you kind of carry that forward is, 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 is an interesting concept, I think, and, and one for us to keep an eye on. Yeah, no, I agree. I think it's, um, it's a first, you know, in the last year I've started working with clients who I've never met in person. Um, they are literally, you know, a screen friend. Um, and I think that number will increase. And I'm sure you find in your business that's that's increasing as well. Um, that's not to say that I wouldn't ever wish to, to meet them and, you know, share a cold drink with them somewhere. I, I would. I think it would um, I think it would definitely help. There's something about it. it OK, I'll give you an example. I, I think it's like on Christmas Day, we were, we were Zooming with, the, you know, the family. Um, and it, I don't know about you. I never really used Zoom before last year, even though I had an account for years. It's funny how it's become the de facto. But um, I just think it's those moments of pause where you in a conversation with someone you know something happens you look away you don't feel the need in person necessary to keep the conversation flowing all the time there's those 
know, there's these little moments of downtime or someone else will butt in or something else will happen. Whereas when you're on, um, you know, through, through the, through the camera is this is constant feeling of needing to keep the conversation going. And I think that's, that's quite odd in a family situation at times. So I can understand why um, a lot of people are, you know, craving that interaction because it's, it's just a very different experience. I think from a business perspective, we're very used to it. And people would say, well, how, how do you get used to like being on, you know, zoom calls all day? I said, well, I've, I've lived in Google Hangouts for about the last seven or eight years. So that <laughs> that's not new, but what's new is socializing in that regard. Right. Mm. It's like, you know, do you want to, you know, let's have a, a quiz or let's have a, you know, a few drinks. I'm like, I don't really want to have a cold drink sat in front of my computer. I've been sat in front of it eight hours, <laughs> yeah. but I do want to talk to you. And I do want to, so, you know, um, one of the things I've found is, is, has worked particularly well is I've just got a couple of standing calls each week with, with you know, a couple of friends and kind of helping, our, helping ourselves, uh, you know, helping each other rather th- through this together and no agenda. We just pitch up and just sort of, mm. you know, moan and, and um, maybe talk work or, you know, and it's, you know, nice end to the week um but i yeah i think it's uh it's, it's going to be different i think um i think there'll just be a fear factor of, of going back into you know i wonder how, how scarred we are by all this but um yeah i think we'll get there i i i want to get there because you know it was um a big part of uh, my world really going to sort of events and meeting people and mm. you know learning especially and can you talk to me a little bit uh, amongst all these other things that you've got going on? <laughs> you started a, a, a another uh, uh, um, venture, Default, um, yeah. with, with Kieran. So yeah. that kind of came out, um, sort of, I, I believe, last year, right? So kind of yeah. during twenty twenty. So I suppose explain to me in a little bit more detail what what, what is Default and like. <laughs> talk to me about launching something in, in the middle of a pandemic did did it work out better than you expected was it more challenging you know talk me through it uh well it didn't work out as we'd hoped let's say that it's it's a, it's a work in progress um so i think um kieran's a good friend of mine um kieran masterton he uh was also at shopify but we've known each other a long time before that he ended up there and working on the shopify plus team for um a couple of years he's um you know way more technical than me he helped uh, launch a lot of plus stores um, working with agencies as well. So um, he was there for a couple of years. And I think, you know, he, we've, it's one of those things, isn't it? Do you, you, when you're really good friends with someone, do you want to go into business with them? It's one thing sort of paying them, here's a few thousand pounds to, you know, help me on this project. There's another thing to sort of go into business with them. And I think we, we talked around the idea and done the due diligence over a decade of friendship to um, finally took the plunge and say, okay, well, these are the risks. This is, this is what we know. This was what could happen. How are we going to deal if this situation happened or that situation? We, and we had a lot of ideas. Um, and some of those hopefully will, will come to fruition. But one of the driving factors was this idea of um, clients v. customers. And I'll, I'll make the distinction in, in a simple way. Clients have, you know, a face, a family. They have a birthday. You know what drinks they like. You know where they like to eat. Um, and client, uh, and sorry, customers are... <clears throat> you know, a, a, an email in a database. There, there's someone who pays you maybe, you know, $9 a month. And so we had this idea of what would it take to move um, from sort of clients to customers? And so we had a few product ideas in and around um, the Shopify space. And um, not to say that they won't happen, um, but COVID-19 definitely put, um, well, silly thing to say, a spanner in the works. But I think in, in many ways, maybe not, as apparent as um, simply, uh, you know, there's no business out there or anything like that. It was more a case of just, you know, we both have young children that that 
took a lot of attention. Um, them being home full time, motivation levels were difficult. Um, just finding time um, to sort of get into the code and the front end development that we were working on at the time as well. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, was difficult. And so things just seemed to, you know, before we knew it, we we're in sort of mid-July, June, July, August, and, and it was just it was just tough. It was just, you know, how do you keep the, the fires burning for your client work and start a product business as well? Um, but in the middle of all that, we did, we did something crazy. We actually bought an app off a, a friend of ours who runs an, um, an agency, and he built this app and he, he didn't want to service it anymore. And so we've been hacking away at that, which has, has proven really good for our clients as well. We've, we actually appreciate more of the... Um, I guess the the difficulties of running a, a small app. We have a couple of hundred customers, um, so by no means huge, but uh, it does a very niche thing in the Shopify space. And so we're, we're dealing with customer support. We're dealing with how do we talk to people about this? How do we find time to develop it? How do we how do we deal with all the changes that Shopify make to their APIs and you know give you a week's notice to do it and things like that? So <laughs> it, it's been fascinating being on the other side. And I think um, we we have plans for that. It's it's um, it's an app that basically can do conditional emails. So for example, if you wanted to send a distributor uh, a list of a particular product that you sell in your store, it can it can do that. It can send a list of that particular product to that particular email address and things like that. So it's very niche, but it's been fascinating to to dig into that. And um, you know, I think that's probably where we'll we'll focus uh, a bit more as we move forward. We've, we're still sort of hacking away at the guts and bringing it up to date as um, there's been quite a few changes that uh, in the Shopify app space on how you actually need to build an authentication of various things. So that's been interesting. But um, yeah, had it did it pan out? No, it, no, it didn't. Um, will it? I hope so. Um, but I think we've both realized that um, you know, it, uh, it definitely takes a lot of work to, to run even a small product and find the time and headspace. I think headspace, as, as sort of silly as that sounds, has, has been the main challenge. Um, just finding a couple of hours where you can actually dig into something you know the, the normal cadence of a day is, has been disrupted so many times that it's easy for a week to go by and then you think oh you know i've not got through the backlog i'm not mm. not hitting the task so um certainly as i said earlier in regard to events i'm, I'm hopeful i think you know we'll we'll, we'll we'll get where we want to get to eventually but it's certainly not had the trajectory um maybe of say agency land where obviously everything went um you know every agency owner i know has, has been like crazy busy, everyone wanting to get online. But um, I think we just had too many, you know, two people company, children, clients. It's um, something had to sort of get a little bit on the back burner. And I think it was some of those hopes and ambitions. But, you know, as also say, I think we'll, um, you know, give it a year or two and hopefully we'll be in a, in a much better spot. But these things take time also. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, but it sounds like you've got some interesting foundations. We, we've touched on it a couple of times of, of maybe um, – forecasting or projecting for mm -hmm. but i'd be keen to understand from from your perspective which is which is a unique one like do you have any predictions for the rest of this year um i mean there's been a lot of commentary on the acceleration of of digital and and e-com specifically over last year like what are your predictions for the rest of this year and and beyond wow okay um <clears throat> i think it just accept i just think it will keep keep accelerating to be honest i i'm fascinated by um whether I mean this is tangential to what you asked, but like in, in terms of like will we return to offices? I think I think a lot. Well, people disagree with me on this, but I think a lot of this working practice will stick, right? So whether you were in an office five days a week, maybe you'll go in one or two. But I think people are getting very used to 
having that more flexibility, that that kind of that um, you know ability to work where they want to work and how they want to work, and and, and then you know go and grab that um, sort of social element of work, I guess maybe uh, on a lesser basis. But I think in terms of e-commerce, I. I've, I'm probably like you, probably been using e-commerce for, for many years, even before we worked in it. But I'm kind of shocked about how much you can just buy online and get delivered the next day. Now. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think businesses that maybe were reticent to go online have obviously embraced it. You know, you, you see it, I mean, whereas before, say, the, the vegetable box delivery was... Um, you know, it, it was kind of an upscale thing, right? There, there were companies that did it, but they were big companies. But now, you know, the WhatsApp groups were sort of lighting up sort of last April with, you know, this 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 local farm will deliver your veg box. Mm. You go on and you give them 15 pounds in PayPal, even just a button. And then you've got this really nice veg box and then you go back and they've suddenly, they've upscaled that. They're now, yeah, you can you can select which box you want and, you know, they've got a Shopify store or they've got another um solution and and you know they're they're for, for low overheads are suddenly keeping themselves alive and keeping their stock flowing so i think will it will it get rid of the high street i mean that's that's a harder one to say um again maybe it's a bit like events right do you really want to go and browse in wh smith's or well i was about to say debenhams but they're all going uh, <laughs> or, or whatever you know i don't know i think um but it's interesting there's still challenges it was um we, we were watching the demise of debenhams on the news last night my wife turns to me and said you know if someone could only just like you know take your picture and then show you what the clothes look like on you i'm like surely that exists right but yeah. i mean there are still challenges you know, until you can not have to you know buy five tops and then send four back and all of that process so i don't think it'll be totally fluid um but i think yeah i think sort of services delivered through the internet probably you know is it really going to be required that you fly from from london to amsterdam for a meeting is it going to be totally more acceptable that you can just do that in the comfort of your own office or your own home i think i think so i think yeah i i, I agree i think the that the, the, it's, it's a big one isn't it the, the the office concept and um I mean, our experiences, we were pretty, and, and like, like Shopify, right, as well, you know, pretty, pretty digitally uh, remote as it was. You know what I mean? Like there was a lot of ability and, and kind of remoteness built into it already. And, and, and then this has sort of cemented some of that and, and made it a slightly more permanent fixture. But one thing, I, I, an observation I've got is like, so we've got a dispersed team and we always did. So we've got a team in New York. So my team, is, there's some people in New York and there's some people in the UK. Now, those people in the UK are now not just in London. They're kind of widespread. Mm. So this idea where we're going to come to the office to do team stuff, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to do that because that means the, the guys in New York can't be there. And that means that we're all going to be in a room. They're not going to be able to hear it. They're going to be on their laptops. And so I feel that this idea where we come together for brainstorming, I don't know if it can happen if you've got a dispersed team. Um, I certainly know from my experience, unless you've got the latest and greatest sort of in-office software for like communications, and even with that, it's okay, but it's not like being in the room with somebody. So it feels like that that is going to be on, on Zoom anyway. And maybe more that I certainly, from a personal perspective, the reason I would want to go into the office is probably just a change of scenery really you know and, and to sort of mix things up and, and sort of I, I think that the the monotony of, of the same place in the same desk <laughs> for an entire year has been challenging yeah. so to have that is I feel a, 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 a draw but the, the 
to, to, to be around other people. I mean, yeah, definitely. But I think, you know, in dispersed teams remotely, you're probably going to have to maintain that remoteness via Zoom. So it is an interesting yeah, it's one. interesting. Yeah, I think I, I agree with most of that. I think um, there's a level playing field when you run Zoom and you have a distributed team. I think it's interesting what you said about Shopify. Um, certainly my experience, they when I was there, they, they played a very, very heavy emphasis on working in an office. Remote wasn't... There were people who were remote, but uh, they were the, definitely the exception to the rule, mm-hmm. uh, myself being one of them. But they were very generous in sort of you know inviting me over and I used to go on a regular basis. Towards the end, it was sort of every month. Um, and yeah, really interesting one because I think they've done a sort of full, I was about to say 360, but then you end up at the same space, a 180, where they've gone sort of very much digital first. And I think um, that's going to be hard for a lot of the people who are used to that culture. You know, it's a very immersive office-based culture um where you could you know you could have you know could dine three times a day there was great coffee on tap there were people um they're in the heart of the cities and then suddenly that's no longer there um i think it's caused some some sort of yeah like a big chunk of what defined people that that day that sort of engagement uh is no longer there and so i think it, it will be challenging for for people to adjust from very much office-based cultures um but I used to joke when I, uh, you know, used to go over, I said, well, you're probably used to me being the, the little square in the corner of that, you know, 20 foot square <laughs> screen um, when we used to have team meetings. Um, and I think when you do have an office based culture and you have people outside, you, it, there is a disconnect, right? That yeah. you are the kind of little square in the corner. Yeah. Whereas um, I think what we have now is where we, everyone can be on a level playing field, you know, totally. you can have Alex in New York as a square, <laughs> yeah. you in uh, London where me here is a square and we've kind of got equal billing. Exactly. Um, I think the problems arise when people say, oh, we don't do remote or we don't, we don't work well with remote teams is when there's a, you know, a lack of um, balance. There's 20 people around a boardroom table who are all staring at each other and you're, you're on the projector in the corner. So I think if anything, it could, um, it could level that out and allow you as an employer um, to, to, to hire people, you know, wherever they are, as long as this, time zones work obviously there's still a challenge but yeah it's um it's yeah i'm fascinated to see how a company can go from having some of the most beautiful offices i've ever been into fully digital <laughs> <laughs> i wait i wait to see how well it, it works out but um there is something though isn't it wouldn't you agree about like i'm working with a client at the moment for example and we had a there was four of us on the call and you just i just came off the call and it's probably the first time in about i don't know eight nine months i just thought i know if we could just get in a room with a big big whiteboard yep. and the pen that yep. we we would just make so we figure this out yeah 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 that, there um, is that, that tactile nature and i i know that there's virtual versions to, to to recreate that concept but yeah i i i was a big fan of the whiteboard like let's get in yeah. and let's whiteboard this and, and, and let's let's get all this stuff out it's of our excitement heads. you get though isn't it like you get excited you can feed off that energy and um i tell you the biggest problem though is it's apple earbuds the amount of calls i'm on people are like <laughs> tapping their 200 pound i didn't realize how fucking expensive they were i only figured i only figured that out like the other day they're incredibly expensive it's insane and there's me with my big big wide cans i'm like well he's still going (laughs) um i'm keen to we've kind of looked forward and um Mm -hmm. given the benefit of time i'm i'm keen to sort of look look backwards um in in the same breath so so you you've done a lot of stuff over the last 20 years uh you know consulting speaking writing programming like where do you find a state of flow is it in one of those things or is it is it all of them 
what do you, what do you mean by flow? I was intrigued by this one. Tell me, tell me what you mean by that. So there is, uh, I believe, a psychologist, uh, maybe a Polish psychologist. I don't know the name off the top of my head. My mum's an executive coach, so she's going to kill me that I don't know the name of this person. But it, it's it's, it's <laughs> we won't um, tell her. It's okay. No, we won't. But she'll listen to this, and I'll have to explain it to her afterwards. Anyway, it's um, <laughs> it's like where in it it, it, it tends towards. Um, people who work in kind of creative endeavors, but I think it's applicable mm. to anyone. It, it, it's, it's a state where um, you, uh, the, the kind of effort that you put in and the outcome, uh, the effort is, it's kind of effortless. So okay. a good example would be, I suppose, a, a musician who they, they find state of flow when they are performing. It's like, the, you know what I mean? It's not an effort for them. They just do it. And yeah. sometimes time can just like vanish and you just, you know, you're just in, you're in this zone of, 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 of flow, I suppose. But the, there is a psychological um, sort of scientific sort of um, uh, exploration. Of kind of, and, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, I guess like um, not deep work, but that co concept of like, where yeah, you just lose track of time. And exactly. Yeah. Time. And you know, so, cause there's some things that, that, um, and, and, and then you have to look at it in terms of like, usually if you find states of flow, it's a good thing for someone to explore as that's what you're really good at. So if you find mm. states of flow, so a good one for me is I really enjoy cooking and I know that I find I get into a state of flow with, with, cooking and, and the time can just go by I'm like holy shit three hours is gone i haven't haven't even realized and, and you know you, you you enjoy it and so you know that kind of concept i suppose yeah in, in relation to you do you, do you see yeah, that with some of the stuff that you do i think i used to more with coding i mean coding is is, is you know probably I, I would never describe myself as a natural coder and I, i've sort of rebelled against this idea of like innate ability especially but since having children, especially, I, I think I've sort of think, yeah, they're just some things that they they take to more, right? They they're just naturally, quote unquote, better at some things than others, and I think that's that's true as well. But coding was always like it was frustrating, but it felt you know the hours could fly when you're sort of digging into a problem and how do I solve this? And um, but I think the older I've got, <laughs> the more frustrating it's become. So less less zen like um, in that regard. I think. Um, it's interesting as well because uh, when when we're at Shopify and I tell this story probably too many times, but they, they one of the some of the coaching team there, they uh, this this idea of like T-shaped people, T-shaped person was this you know, kind of ideal worker at Shopify in a sense. Whereas you have a broad set of skills, um, you're good at quite a few things, and that's the top of the T. But you go kind of go deeper mm -hmm. into a particular discipline, whether that be you know development or UI or maybe it's marketing or you know you're really exceptional um you know seo what have you could be anything team leadership any of those things i'm like i get that i can see can see the attraction of that as an employer i i sort of mock myself and call myself more of like a shallow m where i've got like a still stuff going across the top but then two or three little prongs and they don't necessarily relate to each other so you know it's like i really like getting into the concept of how can we put on this event how can we get this message across and really in a, in a genuine way that people are going to benefit from they're going to get some some real value of this how do we curate this this event and then on the other side it's a well you know the html email is broken how do we solve that and so i think i've always i think i've thrived on um being able to do two or three things reasonably well um i i on some of the jobs where i've had where it's been very very specific i've i've struggled if i'm honest i i kind of like i think i need a bit of um variety and I think, um, yeah, that's probably why I've done quite a few things over the last couple of decades, everything from sort of development and UI, 
um, through to sort of building teams or, or, or more marketing content focused stuff. I think I, I think I, what I've come to realize is I need a, yeah, a bunch of different things to give me that flow, but it's not necessarily any one particular thing. Um, I need them all sort of mixed in a bit of a sort of potpourri of ideas and people to sort of give me that kind of sense of, yeah, this is, this is working. This is going in the right direction. I'm not sure I've answered your question though, Tim. I do apologize. No, I, I, I think it's a fantastic answer. I, I particularly like the, the potpourri analogy. I think that's very good. And I get it. That's an interesting, uh, you exploring the, the T-shaped skill set. I've been doing a bit of reading into that. And it's, it's interesting because I feel that th there's a couple of different perspectives on that. And the concept of being a generalist can sometimes be uh, not seen as desirable, but I, I would probably disagree. I like the idea of general um skill sets you know and, and it can be incredibly effective because with with someone that's a generalist it's a bit of a swiss army knife type concept as opposed to a t-shape you know so they can be put into whatever and i think that that's an in incredibly interesting um concept i think but also I though sorry i was just going to say that i think also it doesn't say that, that you have to be like that for your entire career I and mean, this is something i talked to when i was working with teams and I, you know I, I talked through with people i work with today so you know these things are what they're transitory, right? You might be a, a shallow M for three or four years, and then you suddenly might think, well, actually, I want to really go deep into that bit. And that's how that's the value I'm going to provide to that particular company or that particular employer, or that's the service I'm going to sell. And then I think this idea that you, uh, at least for me, I, I, I know a lot of people have way more planned out ideas of what the trajectory looks like. But for me, it's like, yeah, you know, next at the moment, I'm really enjoying this. These are two or three things that I'm really getting into. But that's not to say that that's be something i'll do in five years time right it's um i think it, it ebbs and flows in terms of the kind of skills that you develop and what fascinates you and um you know there are many other external factors into that as well i think yeah yeah that that's an interesting point like that how the, does the tea grow with time and which bit of the the, the tea grows you know does it the the, the 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 deepness you know does that get deeper and deeper and deeper or does the sort of yeah. broadness get you know broader and broader and broader I, yeah I think people do get broader simply because we've not cracked. I, I don't think we've cracked how you can be a really good technician and progress in a company. Um, the natural thing is, as you get older, you tend to be um, cajoled or forced or desire because it's the only kind of route through through a business is to move away from the tools, move away from the craft and go into the sort of leadership management side. And um, I think that's, that's a real friction for a lot of people. Like, I want to earn more money. Uh, my life's changed. I need more money. I want to progress. I want maybe more status. Um, how do I do that? I, I'm not going to be able to do that by being a back-end developer. It's just we don't seem to have the structures in place where you can have um, a kind of senior individual contributor um, on the same level as senior as, as leader, a manager. manager. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and it, it means that you get managers with, that are not great managers, right? Yeah. You get people that are in the wrong the wrong seat. Yeah. Interestingly, there's, um, and I'll share the link, maybe you could put in the show notes. Um, uh, a website was launched recently. There's only one interview um, on it at the moment, a guy called Wilson Miner, who's, he's now a, I think a product lead at uh, Apple, but it's about how, you know, how do you navigate your your career as an individual contributor? And a lot of people don't want to go into, I mean, I think there's a distinction with leadership and management, but into the management side, you know, the people side is just no interest. I got into this because I wanted to be really good ruby developer yep but now i'm now leading a team of ruby developers and, and if i want to progress in this business i've now got to go and do something that i'm really maybe not that interested in which is to maybe lead 
three teams, <laughs> you know, or manage three leads. And and then I'm not very good at that. And so then I go from being a really great developer to a mediocre manager. And then then I leave the business because I'm not performing. Uh, so what do I do? You know, it's it's a real it's a real interesting one, and I fascinated by it because I I'm not sure there's a solution. <laughs> no, no, no. I think it's something that that continuously needs to be ex- explored. And um, I mean, I, I'm going to say that that's a whole other podcast. I think I, so. I, I yeah, believe sorry. it is. I believe <laughs> it is. So I, I'm keen to sort of draw it towards close. And I, I've, I've got a couple of questions. So again, keeping with the theme of looking backwards, um, yep. th- what advice would you give to your younger self? Oh, blimey. I thought, yeah, good. I think, um, well, the advice that I was given, again, I'm avoiding the question. I feel like a politician here, um, <laughs> by by a good sort of mentor of mine. We were similar in age, but he, he sort of took a punt on me and sort of gave me an education in coding guy called Chris Sal. He was sort of said, you know, don't worry too much about the money. The money will come. And it seemed a silly thing to say at the time. And maybe it's a bit sort of woo-woo to think it, but um, that's kind of sort of something I've always stuck by. I've never... Um, never followed the money. I've made decisions that have made me poorer, but I think I've been better off for it, if you will, um, in terms of the the opportunities that have then come along at a later date. Um, but I think, yeah, there, there's certainly opportunities that, you know, hindsight being, being the great healer that I, I wish I'd taken. So I think, you know, being a bit more open, a bit more adventurous in terms of, you know, meeting people. I mean, it's something I've kind of done a lot of over the last sort of 10 years, but maybe in the previous 10 years, I was a little bit more reticent to sort of throw myself into conversations or, you know, feel that you had something worthy to say. Um, so I think, yeah, just try things out. I think, you know, try more than you're comfortable with. I mean, yeah. I'm sure some have said that, but I think it's true. It's, um, you don't know what's going to happen from taking that meeting. You don't have to say yes to everything, but uh, you also, you know, not everything works out, but most most things do. Most things, you know, I, I still work with people who I met 10, 15 years ago. So good things happen. It's very similar advice that someone else on this first season that I'm doing would have said to themselves is, yeah, that concept of just just take the meeting. You, you, everything, you know, that there will be something that comes from that meeting. Um, I suppose one potential thing is I never want to meet that person again. <laughs> That's not, you know, there's there's nothing wrong with that. You know, like at least you've, you've, you've figured that out. I think there's a there's a common theme and, and I, I explored it with one of my other guests and I, I, I feel that uh, I've observed it is there's nothing wrong in trying stuff that you're giving it a go and saying, you know what, I've done that. I never want to do that again. Well, I think it's a good you know thing, I mean? isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, you're whittling down the path yeah. and you're sort of like, you're, you're going, okay, well, I've got a number of different options here. Let's go path one. Oh, shit. Yeah, that, that was no good. Right. Backtrack. I, let's try path two now. I think you get better at sniffing it out, though. Um, yes. I, if you think back to sort of, you know, college and university days, you're desperate in that first sort of three weeks to, to meet anyone. <laughs> and then you spend the next three years <laughs> avoiding them. Yeah. Maybe maybe not all of <laughs> trying them. But... <laughs> trying to extricate yourself out of the friendship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no, but yeah I think as you get older, you kind of, you, you kind of just get a bit more of a nose for it, I think. Um, yeah. I mean, I'm not saying take every LinkedIn request and <laughs> every virtual coffee by any stretch, but yeah. I just think, do a you few. Know, do more than what you're comfortable with, I think uh, you so, know, yeah. in, in your first sort of uh, instance. So the, 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 uh, a couple of final questions then. Mm. So um, an observation I had from the, the as I said, uh, the, the, the whitaker.com slash about, um, you mentioned uh, early on, um downloading a number of guitar tabs uh and that piqued my interest so (laughs) can you remember any tabs in particular or any artists of note are you you a guitarist too 
I used to play in, in a few bands. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I, I, you know, there's a, yeah, there's I a story. Yeah. I think it was, it's fascinating to me because I'd always, uh, you know, self-taught guitarist again, probably, probably part of the shallow M. Um, <laughs> and um, used to spend hours sort of trying to either watch old VHS tapes of bands playing, trying to work out how they played it. And yep. when I um, attended university, it was kind of mid-90s. And so, you know, the internet was a thing. And uh, there were these sites of people just putting up guitar tab for, for which if people aren't aware is basically kind of a, a sort of symbolic representation of how to play a guitar part, right? It's not yeah. staves. It's just, it's yeah. the idiot's guide to playing guitar, right? It's Brilliant. numbers. It's, it. so, it's so good. Yeah. 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 Um, and then suddenly there were these, these websites that popped up and we had unlimited internet access and unlimited printing <laughs> didn't have to pay for the paper or anything. So I just used to sneak in on a Sunday. Um, Cause the, you know, back in those days, the, the computer lab was open and you sort of log on and be printing on i i so that era mid mid to late 90s i was huge david bowie nut still am yeah so i had most of his sort of 70s canon not all the tabs were great you, you get them back and you'd realize that actually this is wrong yeah yeah <laughs> um so a lot of that a lot of sort of early rolling stones and, and blues stuff i guess um was if look back that's kind of probably where i was at i liked a lot of contemporary stuff but that I think the more dedicated are, you know, tab tab people. They'd gone back in time as opposed to doing more current stuff. So, yeah, if you if you'd found me sort of in again, it's ninety seven in my bedroom. It would have probably been with guitar tabs of, you know, trying to master heroes or something by David. Yeah, Bowie. yeah, yeah. Nice. No. The thing I find with Bowie's stuff in terms of a guitar approach is the overall sound is far more um, involved. He's always got a lot of other stuff going on. I always found that like trying to learn Bowie stuff, you would, you would find, I suppose the man who sold the world, but the Nirvana version is a good example where yeah. it's, it's very guitar. Like it, it's, it's immediately obvious. You know what I mean? Whereas yep. I find a lot of his other stuff, you know, particularly if you looked at something like off of the album low, it's hard to, you can kind of create a guitar <laughs> sound, but it's in the wash of all of this other stuff. And so it's not immediately recognizable. I suppose that that's why a lot of people go to things like classic rock stuff, like, uh the stones or whatever yeah because you, yeah, it's very yeah, guitar heavy you can play like you can't get no satisfaction and it's just immediately obvious and it's like a riff based stuff i suppose yeah it's, I, it's, I mean, it's always handy carlos alomar who is i think he was his musical director but an amazing guitar player um in the 70s he worked with him even now i watch his stuff and i'm like i just can't i mean you you really have to hone in on it but you know that if you took that part away the song wouldn't be the same you can't <laughs> actually play it and it's just like just a genius who he, he he you know surrounded himself with exceptional musicians i think so yeah Absolutely. it sounds like um robert fripp and all of those people and you know anyway we could talk about that that probably is another podcast. that's another podcast <laughs> yeah anything to do with eno is definitely another podcast yeah 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 anyway i, I, I we'll draw it to a close final question free plug where can people find you oh right okay cool um yeah um is my online sort of business site that's gone through various incarnations over the years but that currently serves as a, sort of my consultancy site um i'm not very social but i am on twitter keir whitaker at keir whitaker um on the instas and um yeah on twitter as well and uh, yeah i think it, just my name on linkedin too so all those Perfect. All those places that's great all right mate this was fantastic really enjoyed it thanks so much for joining me my real pleasure thanks for the opportunity cheers There you go. Massive thank you to Kia for joining me. Go check him out at kiawhitaker.com. That's K-E-I-R-W-H-I-T-A-K-E-R 
www.clavio.com. Before I go, a quick word from my sponsor, Clavio, the ultimate e-commerce marketing platform for email and SMS messaging. If you want to learn more, go visit them at clavio.com slash your basket is empty. And as always, if you like the episode, please subscribe, download, and tell all your mates who like Bowie to do exactly the same. I'll see you next time.